Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Hi, happy hump day. Happy hump day. How are you? Good. It's, it's a massive countdown to Christmas, hey? Oh, yes, I know. I can't believe. I keep, for some reason, still thinking we're in November because I keep looking at, you know, when all the Christmas parties are and, and everything, and I'm just like, why are people doing it now? And then I'll realise, oh, it's like three weeks away from Christmas. So Yeah, <laughs> it is full on at the minute. I have something, well, this weekend... After the Wednesday. No, I have, yeah, I have something every weekend. Oh, wow. Yes, I'm going to a a faculty Christmas party, which I'm told is going to be quite fancy on Monday. So I'm like. Ooh, like, fancy. I, I'm like, what should I bring? And I'm like, I need to bring wine. And I know nothing about wine. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like having to go to Dan Murphy's probably and be like, what is a good wine? <laughs> yeah, they have good people there usually to advise yeah, you. Exactly. Mm. I don't know. Most people drink red, or is it better to go with white? I don't know. No, like I'm a red. I'm a, I prefer red myself. Oh, this depends. Is it a day event or a night event? It's a night event. Probably red. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Um, I would drink Coke, of course, but. Yes. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, how's your Christmas shopping going? Oh, I still got to get a couple of presents. Uh, yeah, I have to do that this, this weekend, probably. Mm. I'm just thinking about all the baking. You know, I do all the baking. Yes, yes. When am I going to do that? I'll literally be baking Christmas Eve. I can, t- I can just oh feel it now. But yeah, the baking, I'm working, and the things I'm working back right until pretty much till Christmas Eve. So. Mm. It's busy, but it's okay. It'll it'll work out. Always does. Yes. <laughs> Positive. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So what have we got going? We have a new story from the BBC. Mm-hmm. Um, and the title reads Lady Susan Hussey quits over remarks to charity boss Ningozi Fulani. Hope that pr- I pronounced that right. Now, right. if you've heard this story, you, you're living under a rock because <laughs> it's been everywhere. But um, uh, let's read it in case you haven't. The Queen's lady in waiting, and to be honest, I did not know this was a thing that they still lady in waiting. waiting. I mean, I knew you know you watch historical drama and they all have ladies in waiting, but I didn't think they actually had them still and I'm not really sure what they do but anyway Lady Susan Hussey was the Queen's lady-in-waiting has apologized and resigned after she repeatedly asked a black British charity boss where she really was from oh ridiculous uh Ngozi Fulani a charity founder was questioned about her background at the charity event um at the palace on Tuesday Miss Fulani said that she was totally Really stunned by Prince, Prince William's godmother's comments. So Prince, she's Prince William's godmother. Okay, mm-hmm. which one's William? Is that the 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 yeah the, 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 the next heir? Yeah, I always get confused because it's Harry and William, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. 
Um, the palace described the remarks as unacceptable and deeply regrettable. No shit. <laughs> a spokesman for Prince William said, racism has no place in our society. Oh, I love these. I love these little, you know. Sign bites. mean nothing. Of like that mean nothing in general. You're actually not saying anything. But anyway, like it would be different if he said, oh, her comments are deeply regrettable and racist. But of course, that's not what he said. But anyway. Mm. The comments were unacceptable and it's a, the right of the individual to step aside with immediate effect. Lady Hussey, 83, was a close confidant of the late Queen and accompanied her at the funeral of Duke Edinburgh last year. She was a key and trusted figure um, in the royal household for a decade and part of her latest role was involving helping host uh, occasions at Buckingham House. Palace. Miss Fulani, in an interview with an independent website, said the issue was bigger than one individual. It's institutional racism. I was in shock after it happened, and anybody who knows me, I don't take that kind of nonsense, she said. But I had to consider so many things. As a Black person, I found myself in this place where I wanted to say something, but what happened would automatically be seen as my fault. It would bring my charity, Sister Space, down it would be like oh she has a tip chip on their shoulder miss fulani said she did not want to see um lady hussey vilified an eyewitness to the conversation um mandu reed told bbc news that lady hussey's questions were offensive racist and unwelcoming the leader of the women's Equ equality party said she had felt a sense of incredulity sorry if I pronounced that wrong, about the exchange in which Miss Fulani was interrogated about where she was from, even though she explained she was born and lived in the UK. In a statement, Buckingham Palace said, we take this instant incident extremely seriously and have investigated immediately to establish the full details. In this instant, unacceptable and deeply regrettable comments have been made. We have reached out to um, Ngozi Fulani on this matter and are inviting her to discuss all elements of her experience in person if she wishes. In the meantime, the individual concerned would like to express her profound apologies for the hurt caused and has stepped aside from her honor honorary role with immediate effect. All members of the household are being reminded of the diversity and inclusivity policy, which um, they are required to uphold at all times. Miss Fulani was at the reception at Buckingham Palace on Tuesday, representing the London-based charity Sister Space, which supports women of African and Caribbean heritage across the UK who face domestic and sexual abuse. Along with 300 guests, she was invited to the event where the Queen Consort Camilla, she's the Queen Consort, um, had warned of a global pandemic of violence against women. But afterwards, Miss Fulani described on Twitter how the royal aide moved her hair aside to see her name badge, then challenged her to explain where she was from. In a post, Miss Fulani referred to the palace aide only as Lady SH, but Miss Reed confirmed to BBC News that the, page, the person who had made the remarks was Lady Susan Hussey, having seen her name badge. Neither Buckingham Palace um, nor the charity named her, which is annoying. Um, BBC approached Lady Hussey for a comment through Buckingham Palace. So then it, it talks, it actually has a transcript. Oh, you've got to read it. That's why I picked that, that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so Lady SH, where are you from? So oh, we should, we should do it together. I'll oh. be. Uh, I'm, wait, wait, I've gotta get it. I've gotta get it. One sec. Gotta get it because. Right, I'll be. I'll be. Um. I'll be Lady S H. All right. All right. Ready? All right. All right. Okay. Let me find. Let me just find the script. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Go. Okay. Right. Where are you? Where are you from? Sister Space. No. Where do you come from? We're based in Hackney. No. Africa are you from? I don't know. They didn't leave any records. Well, you must know where you're from. I spent time in France. Where are you from? Here, the UK. No, but what nationality are you? I'm born here and I'm British. No, but where are you really from? Where do your people come from? My people 
lady. What is this? Oh, I see. I'm going to have a challenge getting you to say where you're from. When did you first come here? Lady, I'm British national. My parents came here in the 50s when... Oh, I knew we'd get there in the end. You're Caribbean. No, lady. I'm an, I am of African heritage, Caribbean descent and British nationality. Oh, so you're from... Yeah, and then they stop looking. I was just love it because I've had that comfort. I've had that conversation so many times um, as well. Yeah. I, yeah. So. I was just like that. Um, and it's a very offensive. And I don't understand why people don't understand why that's offensive. But, yeah. Yeah. So if people want to know, so a realistic question, if you actually want to know someone's background, what should we ask? What should they ask? What's your background? Exactly. Like, it's not a trick question, actually. I was going to say, people ask me all the time, what's your heritage? Yeah, what's your heritage? What's and your- ask it with curiosity because that wasn't like an a interrogation. Yeah, that was. that's the difference, is that insisting that, you know, I want to know, not for out of curiosity, because if she had um, picked up, because she said in there, you know, I don't know, they don't leave any records. That might have been a good segue to go, oh, really? What happened there, do you think? And then, I don't know, you might have talked about the fact that, you know, they came as slaves or something like that. Therefore, you know, it wasn't. So, you don't know, focusing on the patient person. So... <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Also, she'd already said hmm. uh, British boy, boy lived here. Yes. And then the fact that she carried on is just saying, well, just because you're born and live here doesn't mean you're British, basically. Oh, 100%. Mm. 100%. So, um, and at some point you've got to realise if somebody doesn't want to talk about their background or doesn't want to say about their background and not interested in having that conversation, then you need to move on, you know, um, and just- she wasn't picking up the cues at all, was she? <laughs> she wasn't picking up the cues, but that's not surprising. Um, for someone with a privileged background who who basically gets her ha- answers questions answered all the time, I guess, is not used to not having her curiosity about stupid things challenged. So. I didn't even feel like it was curious. Well, it was a bit of curiosity, hmm. but it was it was um, it's veiled like- in an insistence. Yeah, that you are you are not British. Yeah, you are not of here. You don't basically you don't belong here. Yeah, you're foreign. Yeah, no, it's not the it's not the right kind of curiosity. It's that two seconds of I know what's happening here. Like I know you're of African descent somehow. Answer my question. I'll move on. So mm-hmm. I can you know <laughs> I can move on to better things. I don't know. It's, uh, Oh, but yeah, it is something that I've had so many times. Um, what was interesting as well, because this, I think the story is published by another news city first, and I read that one. Mm. And then that news entity allows for comments from the public. And so I was looking at some of those comments and some of the comments were like, well, if she's British, then why is she dressing oh. like African why she have her hair that African? Why she wearing African clothes? These are the kind of comments I was reading. And it made me think about your hesitance to wear a sari to work. Mm, yeah, no, a hundred percent because it's. Uh, because I don't know what it is about people in multicultural societies wanting to have someone who's an immigrant or even of a, a different, you know, heritage to completely erase their heritage, to become part of this multicultural society. Mm. Like, why do people need to do that? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's really crazy. It I is. Mean, it, but it annoys me as well because you have people in Britain that may be Irish heritage yeah. or German or European heritage, yeah. and generally you don't see them hiding it. And they might not be as obvious because, to be fair, the, the cultural is very similar as in you know, your appearance, what you wear. But there might be certain traditions, like if it's German or French or Scottish or whatever, that you would hold. Yeah. You would continue to celebrate because it's part of your heritage. And people do that. And I, te- I really don't see that they get this type of yeah. 
and you know, they get celebrated. Like if somebody, celebrated. you know, French people are very particular about their food or, you know, this is what they will eat and this is how they eat it or they need a ton of, but I don't know, whatever. They'll be like, oh, yes, they are. You know, whereas if you're, you know, whatever of African descent or Indian descent or something and you go, no, I'm very, I want to eat this or I like eating this. I don't know. It's It's maybe not looked at with the same positivity as if you're of European background. I also, of Miss Fulani's um, comment, though, of how she handled it, that's what I also feel is 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 also very hard on people of colour. And there was somebody, there was a video I watched yesterday of um, an Aboriginal actor, and I forgot his name, because um, I'm terrible with names. Anyway, he said the same thing. It's like, people of color who come up in situations like this they always have to like their reaction must be tampered like you can't be this out loud angry you know black person you know because then there's this whole other people this whole stereotype angry exactly and And aggressive the, the conversation moves on from what this lady did and all the questioning to how she reacted that would be the yeah. conversation. And I feel sad yeah. that she did that. And that's why she didn't react like she normally would and call the woman out because she was in a place that she knew that they would judge her first before actually looking at what this lady's comment was. Um, so she had to be completely like, like yeah. not taking, not saying anything basically um, for people to then notice what this lady was saying that was actually deeply offensive. So well, this is the thing and this is the this is, I found myself in this situation. Obviously, depending on the the context, I don't care and I'll say what I need to say. But she's right. You be in situations where you have to be very careful. You actually have to think and have a considered response because it does become, well, you're, you're, you become the persecutor. Yeah, absolutely. You become the persecutor in that scenario if you're not very careful and then you also become the person that has to justify Mm. or point out what's wrong about that then it becomes your responsibility yeah and that's really unfortunate really shouldn't be that way no it it sucks it sucks that they have to their reactions are always monitored like you can only react to this level or something like that because you're scrutinized so hard um based on the color of your skin it's it's not right it's almost like if if you are that certain skin type you have to be better than everybody else your behavior has been you know be sympathized with or, or yeah. understood you know yeah your behavior does have you have to be very considered but i mean i mean it's easy it's easy to say you behave a certain way it depends what you've resolved within yourself and how you react mm-hmm. how, how you could react is you could say let's just say listen lady sh <laughs> i understand what you what you're asking me yeah. and do you understand how offensive your questions are mm-hmm. yeah because you're implying that because i have black heritage and i'm not british because even though I was born here and raised here, yeah. Even though I have an African-sounding name, mm, yes. You're you're saying I'm a foreigner in a country where I was born and raised, mm. and that's offensive. Yep. Uh, if you want to know my heritage is, then this is what you ask. Mm. That's probably what I'd say. Yeah, it's nice to say you respond like that, but in the moment, half yep. the time you're in a combination of shock. Yes. That somebody's actually doing this. Yeah. And also, how considered how if you if you've got any emotion around that if you've got anger or whatever then you're managing that and trying to have it. so because you potentially will be seen as the persecutor like you've got a chip on your shoulder about racism and all this kind of yeah. things that you hear mm. Mm. and absolutely and we also have to keep in mind that that some of these these guys they have to go through this conversation once every day or twice every day or something like that it's regular it's not a one-off it's a regular thing so the level of exhaustion you have related to always having to answer this question can't really be downplayed by much because you know most some other people just don't never come across something like this and don't realize how annoying it is and yeah 
And actually, sometimes I'm a bit mean, I'll be honest, and I play, like like I told that story last time about the guy in the bar who was doing the same thing, where are you from? Do you remember? Yeah. So then it's a bar, a guy who's like, where are you from? Yes. And then I was like, Sydney, where are you from? He's like, no, but where are you from? I thought, well, actually, I don't sound Australian. Actually, I'm from the UK. I was born there. Where are you from? And he was really offended by the question. Do you remember? <laughs> I was like, I'm from, I'm from Australia. Yeah. Um, so that's sometimes I play with people and I ask them the question back. Yeah. And it's amazing that they're offended, right, by the question that they've just asked. It's Yeah. yeah. So I ask that question, oh, where are you from? Hmm. But actually, you know, I might be surprised. They might not be from... And, uh, and if depends to, to be honest no matter how the answer mm. it's, it's useful for me if they answer oh I'm from somewhere else that's great you can have an interesting conversation mm. and you know talk about backgrounds and where people are born but then if they're all from here mm. and and the, there's the element of of course mm. then we're there, that's another com- that's another conversation that yeah. makes me laugh exactly mm. Yeah. Well, there's that. Um, and I don't think the Buckingham Palace is going to appreciate all of this, given isn't William and what's her name, Megan? Sorry, Megan. Documentary or something? Yeah, it's come out. I think it's out now. But actually, I wanted to talk about the other side, Lady Susan. She's 80 something. People are going to say, oh, she's old. She's ignorant. Yes. This is true, but it's not an excuse. Mm. And actually, I feel sorry for her. I do actually actually feel sorry for her because she's she is old and ignorant. Let's just say that's calling out for what he is. Hmm. She clearly doesn't understand. So I feel like it's a bit of a cop out to just have her resign and because she doesn't want to, it's probably it's about the royal family and not bringing them into disrepute or it's you know in the limelight for this particular thing. Mm. Um, but I think they missed an opportunity mm. there because then what happens is it makes it makes the person calling it out the persecutor mm. and it makes her the victim. And I think that's not what we want to keep happening. We want it to be more of a conversation and an understanding. And maybe you can't get an understanding, but an attempt at an understanding. What I would have liked to have seen, I'd like to have seen a, a conversation and a genuine apology and acknowledgement of, oh, well, I understand why that's offensive. Mm. That's what would have been better than a, and maybe she doesn't understand, maybe she doesn't agree, but a conversation. Yeah. Well, yeah. she hasn't even spoken on record, I don't think. So um, that's not surprising that the, Palace wants to bury it so yeah I, th- I just think a conversation maybe you know some people people say oh they're old they can't change now they have these thoughts but you can change at any time mm. you really can it's always a choice yeah it's the willingness of wanting to change I don't think yeah it's about willingness exactly mm. and it's about recognizing what you're doing and, and I actually just think the older you are the better the e- not the easier it is to change but the more the more you've seen and the more things you will have seen in your life that were not true. You know, you've become more aware of things that you may have thought one way and then you realise they're another way. Because things have changed, so much has changed, so much has changed in the world. Yeah, unless though you have a very closeted view of your life, which I imagine, is, you know, like you change and you adapt based on the environment. And even though I imagine in her lifetime there's been a lot of changes, if she's just been this person who's had one kind of experience most of her life, which I imagine she has, then maybe she hasn't noticed that the world around her has changed. It's interesting, hey? Yeah. Mm. But I do, I kind of take it, I do take things like that with a pinch of salt when it's somebody that age because I realise that, but it's still not, still not an excuse and you still need to say something about it. Yeah, I don't know. I've just had it with the royal family. I'm kind of over it. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just like, what point is Australia going to be independent? That to me, it's not about the royal family. It's about a, an older generation having a view and it being highlighted. I mean, how many people talk? How older people in our families 
that have those kind of attitudes. Absolutely. But I mean, the royal family is a family of power and for for and I don't intention enough to know what what kind of influence they have but to think that they don't have an influence is crazy so and if someone so close to the queen can be this ridiculous then I don't know <laughs> I can't imagine there's a lot of wisdom around in there mm. oh, anyway. yeah scary isn't it mm. all right okay we've had that before mm, yeah why how you ask the question, the intention, mm. if you want to know why somebody is dark-skinned, yes, which is what you're asking really, mm-hmm. yes, then ask the question yes. with curiosity, what is your background? And that's the right question to ask. Not yeah. where are you from? Because where they're from could be where you're from. Yes, 100%. And then listen to what they say and pick up on the cues. Well, I don't want to talk about it now. Yes, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Ish, ish, ish. All right, we talked we talked about that so many times as well. The the next story is a different highlighting the completely different discriminatory bias that we have. I think this is something that's coming far, but also we still have a lot of work to do. Mm. And we wanted to talk about this because. It is actually the International Day for People with Disability, or it was this month, December, earlier this month. So we thought it was really good to bring awareness and attention to that. On the 3rd of December, we celebrated International Day for People with Disability. And this story is about Kurt Fernley. Kurt Fernley is quite a famous yes. person with disability. Yes. Is it the rides, right? Is it cycle? Is it cycle? Um, I don't know which sport it was. It's a sport. I know it's a sport. I was like, yes. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's terribly terrible. But yeah, he is. He is. Yes, he's... Actually, I love that you see, like, you've got Paralympic. The Paralympics is amazing. Yes. Um, he is a sportsman. I don't know which sport. I don't watch sport. He's a sportsman. So <laughs> this is the title of the story, and it's his kind of quote. I dug deep into the big issues for people with disability in Australia today. This is what I learned. Um, he says, I've been to quite a few international day of people with disability events and celebrations over the years. I cherish the focus on people with disability each year and the strong intent to do better and create a more accessible and equitable Australia. My own thoughts and conversations with my community have always suggested meaningful change for people with a disability still has a way to go. Mm. What started as discussions with mates turned into something a bit more, and over the past year I've spent time deep diving into some of the big issues for people with disability in Australia today. I looked at things alongside relevant law wherever possible, but in particular I looked at the Federal Disability Discrimination Act the law which is designed to protect people with disability against discrimination and promote the acceptance of their rights. And then it says, what does as far as even mean? Because when the act came into place 30 years ago, three key objectives were aligned. Eliminate as far as possible discrimination on the ground of disability. Ensure as far as practicable equality before the law for people with disability and to promote community acceptance of the rights of people with disability. And then he goes on to say that he doesn't have the legal credentials to debate the merit of the term as far as. It seems okay if held in the spirit, I'm sure it was written with, but should discrimination law be left to spirit? Mm. Have we gone as far as we need when it comes to protection from discrimination for people with disability? And has a community acceptance comes along as far as it needs to ensure the rights of people with a disability. My work on ABC podcast, Letters In, has been an eye-opening exploration of disability rights and where we are at disability in Australia today and what we learned. So we spoke with Australians making their way through life with disability, interacting with our education system, housing, access to public places, employment opportunities, transport and identity. And we tackled the big one of the past few years, looking at what it is like for Australians with disability in the COVID world. Our investigation showed that despite the annual good intent on 
international day of people with disabilities we haven't gone as far as we need so in the past three decades and as far as i can tell we've got a long way to go we still have a segregated education system mm. it's one of the things yes uh, i'm not going to read that uh, we found that the impact of unemployment which for people with disability in Australia is about twice the rate of those without disability. Mm. And it has a big impact on health in general and particularly mental health. Our episode on access to public places featured a modern day Dave and Goliath story and with the challenge to disability law, which made it all the way to the High Court. David Corthorn has been fighting the case for wheelchair access to Hobart's Parliament Square as part of its 330 million redevelopment. But in the end, the High Court overturned a decision of the Tasmanian Supreme Court in a jurisdictional wrangle between the state and federal anti-discrimination laws. I don't even know why that had to go to court. Mm. It's crazy, isn't it? Mm. If you're redeveloping mm. a square or whatever, yeah. a federal building, whatever, yes. surely you have to put in access. Surely. Like, that seems stupid to Especially me. Especially if you're redeveloping it. Yeah, to take it to court. Like, just what? Why does that even have to go to court? Ridiculous. Anyway, one of the stories about disability that appears the most in Australian news is the difficulty of accessing transport and the rights of people with disability. One of the issues. And then there's a former Disability Discrimination Commissioner, Graham Inns, suggested the Disability Discrimination Act is not fit for this purpose and more was needed. And then he goes on to talk about what exists in Europe and the USA, which is an airline accessibility act, which actually directs airlines and airports and various authorities at airports. Didn't know that. That's interesting. Mm. He says, in our look at what identity for people with disability means, I defer to my own experience. The way you see people with a disability matters because it will shape how you interact with us. And that's the same for everyone. The way you see them shapes how you interact with them. Mm. And this is important because it shapes in part how we see ourselves. True. Often people with disability are seen with sympathy or fear. Mm. And sometimes we are told that we just don't belong. It says, but it's not all doom and gloom. It's actually a story of hope and opportunity. There is hope on the horizon after decades-long fight for changes to building codes to support accessible housing, upcoming changes to the National Construction Code, which has been endorsed by most Australian states, will ensure all new housing is more accessible. And while the battle with COVID is ongoing, especially for people with disability, our episode on the pandemic showed that changes to conditions which support a diverse workforce can happen and fast and may open new doors to employment for people with disability. This is not just good for people with disability, but for everyone. So where we are at when it comes to disability in Australia, as far as I'm concerned, our stories need to be told year round, not just on a single day each, day each December. There needs to be genuine conversation and action, not just in the disability community, but between all Australians, lawmakers, governments, all levels of business, community groups and community, everyone. There you go. And there's 4.4 million people living with disability, visible and invisible, in Australia. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. But I like what I do like to see, which you see more of, I don't know. We've had them, always had them, but I just noticed them maybe, is the ads for recruitment specialists specialised with people with living with a disability. Yeah did a project on that um with them in uni i remember for something um breakthrough employment services they were specialized in placing people with disabilities in employment so mm. um we went through and we did some interviews with some of the people over there and yeah it was really interesting but yeah. well, what was interesting about it well because to me, at that time, I didn't realise, first of all, that it was so challenging for them to be, you know, people with disabilities to find employment. Obviously, I'd never really thought about it. And the need for somebody specialised to help with that situation. And then 
how helpful it was when, you know, they were placed in employment and it was so much easier to, to deal with people who were specialised in placing people with disabilities in employment. It made things so much smoother and, you know, it just it, it goes to show that there is a need to be specialised in things like this, that it mm-hmm. can't, you know, sometimes just be dealt with by normal agencies. Yeah. I also think that, I mean, it just occurred to me, um, I think I know someone that does this for a living. I have to check. But anyway, not just specialised recruitment to get find the job, the work for that person and the right employer, but also in employ- employers mm. need some sort of specialised support, yeah. I think, as well. Yeah. Because I was, I was reading something else about the LGBTQI community in the workplace and how a lot of um, people hide part of their identity in the workplace and it around it was around not only how their colleagues and employer might treat them but around how maybe clients and customers might treat them and how how would that play out in the workplace would they be supportive you know that kind of thing so I feel like sometimes organizations employers need that support and I think that's where the diversity and inclusivity activities come in you, have, you kind of have to need that for whatever if you're employing the diverse workforce then you yeah that support's necessary that support and guidance is just support for you right mm. the employer not just employees yeah. anyway interesting um, yeah very interesting and it's helpful if that support and guidance comes from somebody with disabilities in this case yeah I don't necessarily agree that has to be someone with that you don't have to have a disability to, to understand how to help people with disability. No, but I, I think, think you just need to experience, like this lady I know who works, mm. I think she does, I think she's like the caseworker for people, she doesn't have a disability. No, no, no. I mean, like if you're going to have, say, employ someone, like the whole Aboriginal liaison officer, right? Mm. You can't have a non-Aboriginal person as an Aboriginal liaison officer because they don't understand. the Same thing if you're going to employ someone for that position to maybe Mm. educate around disability, make sure that everybody understands all of that. I think it helps if you have that background or something because otherwise you're kind of outside looking in. You yeah, know, a little bit. Say, yeah. Yeah. With the the a person who, say, for example, is employed to help people understand or whatever around LGBTQI, you know, issues and whatever. If you're not LGBTQI, you may not you may may miss things. You may not understand. There might be nuances that you have no idea about. So it is always better if you're going to be in a position where you're educating, where you're you know mm. trying to find holes and gaps, and you know being like, okay, we we're not you know we're not taking care of people in this this situation. Then it helps if you're in that situation. And okay. yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, I um, think though that it's a lot of pressure because. Right, I'm black, but doesn't mean to say I know every nuance, every issue, every problem, and can and say that this is how every black person feels. So that's a lot of pressure for somebody to be in that educating mode to say, well, you're the authority, you must know everything about, you know. And that's why I don't necessarily agree that you have to have have to be part of that community to to educate and support. You have to have some connection. You need to find a way. How do you connect? Personally, I feel like I connect with minorities in general because I'm a minority. Mm. But I, I can't profess to know what it's like to identify as transgender or bisexual or LGBTQ or Asian or, yeah. you know, but it doesn't mean I couldn't support in those spaces. No, support is different. Mm. If you're hiring for a position that takes care of these certain you know, people in society, though, I think it's important. It comes from me, born of this whole, you know, hearing since growing up that, you know, we're doing this for the Aboriginal community, all of this. Mm. Stuff, and it was a board of white people sitting yeah, there. Yeah, you're right. That's where it comes from. Because yeah, for me, I think it's useless. If you're going to be like, oh, we're going to do this, and you have no representation whatsoever. Yeah. 
um, from that community, then you've seen it, that it's it's quite yeah. easy. It comes through and they're like, we're going to do this. And but that. do you know what it is as well? Is it don't consult the stakeholders and take on board the voice. Exactly. So I don't necessarily think a white person couldn't do it. No. I just think you can't do it in isolation. Yeah. Like with just your own ideas. That's yeah. just not, that's not how it would work. Yeah. Um, because I was reading something else, which made me have a, this thought. You know, all these initiatives and drive to have white Aboriginal liaison um, or reach out to communities involve the community is the article saying how it's kind of not forced but put on employees that happen to have that heritage to deal with it, to take on that responsibility. And that's not really fair. Do you know what I mean? No, but I think there are people out there, like say, for example, we we did a professional leadership thing last week at work. Mm-hmm. And one of the women who spoke um, and specifically about LGBTQI and her work around that was LGBTQ. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Um, and she was so passionate and she was so, of all the speakers of the whole day, actually, she was the most interesting because mm-hmm. she very like even her language that she used to speak about it was mm. not management speak you can tell like yeah it came through and we've done this and we've done that it was very flowy and um she was very direct and very this is what I've done this is what I've changed this is how we're going it was it was really amazing to hear it so you can actually tell the difference sometimes when Somebody's actually passionate because they have a personal buy-in. Yeah, she's got personal buy-in, and that's what I mean. Yeah. So that's and she was obviously hired for that position, and it was the right position for her because she's so passionate about doing something like that. It's about that sort of thing for me. It's like yes, pretty much probably other people can do that job, you know, and do it pretty well. Mm. But she has this level of passion for it that because she's this is her people, you know. Mm. The, yeah different you know absolutely totally agree that's the best person for the job yeah. um I just think there might be people that have buying for the reasons yeah. like maybe their best friend was yeah exactly. maybe yeah. what a family friend whatever and, and absolutely someone that's part of that community totally that's always the best person people that really care about it yeah, exactly. No, 100%. And it goes to um, that whole, I think I was reading an article recently in India that they're doing a movie around the first movie around someone of transgender identity, which is amazing. Like a Bollywood movie. A Bollywood movie, yeah. Ooh, that is controversial. Amazing, right? Um, but the woman who's playing her is not transgender is is as actually you know a, a woman woman yeah um, so and people were disappointed because there are actually transgender actresses out there oh. uh, who who applied you know to be in the movie and wasn't selected and obviously they've done it because you know the movie the woman who who is going to play is a famous actress and all of this and um, whatever and I'm just like in yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure she'll do a, a great job. Mm. But to be honest, when you think about it, if you think about it, somebody playing that role, if they did have that background, you know, it could possibly could be, be way more powerful. Yeah, it could be a completely different movie, right? Mm. Um, I don't believe that when it comes to, you know, somebody who's gay or not, because I actually don't think if you're gay, you want to be pigeonholed into just playing gay characters you should be allowed to play straight characters like Luke yeah. Evans you know for, yeah. for example um so but transgender I feel like is a whole other challenge in itself um an experience in itself you see that's the argument for having the woman she's an actress you can play any character um and they argue that with trans people we should be able to play a straight woman a straight man or whatever yeah but that you know rightly probably won't happen I mean, they can't even get transgender roles, let alone mm. like normal. But baby steps, hey? Baby it's a good, it's good, it's a good news. Yeah, it's brilliant, that. All right, let's move on because we're wrapping up, wrapping up. So, Ina, what would you do? Yeah. What would you do, Nina? Oh, I really need to come up with a jingle. What <laughs> would you do? Okay, so a co-worker is complaining. Mm. Complaining that their team is switching their video call software to accommodate a visually 
impaired woman on the team mm. what would you do I'd say get over it <laughs> like you know if it just happened to be one of my days it depends what day they caught you on yeah. or if they caught you on a bad day what would you say they me this last week I'd be like are you seriously talking to me about this because you need to piss off <laughs> and just get over it what are they called? You know, what is the flower that everybody uses that is like, no, cupcake? I don't know. Snowflake? Snowflake, yes. <laughs> I would be like, is that a flower? I don't know. You know, when people say, get over it, snowflake or something. I have, I have no idea what that means. It's probably American. I like I've heard it somewhere. I'd be like, just, just go and have some real problems. Like, seriously. <laughs> Can you please come <laughs> and don't come back to me with any real problems because I'm not going to take you seriously. Um, right. And if they caught you on a good day, what would you say? On a good day, I'd be like, okay, so what's the, what is the issue with switching to this new software? What is the actual problem aside from the inconvenience that you perceive? Um, and then if she said something legitimate, I don't know how to download it or I don't know how it works I'd be like okay then let me help you download it let me show you how it works or something like that or if it was something stupid why did we need to change in the first place it's <laughs> I'd be like you can suck my anyway <laughs> <laughs> which is my new favorite line for <laughs> oh you just say that without finishing yeah yes. <laughs> <sighs> okay so yeah, I think that's that's how I would do it. Maybe after my holidays, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be different. But yes, for now, I think. Yeah. I actually remember something similar happening at work. A new starter, and they were installing um one of those mobile desk things. Oh right. And and we haven't met this new starter. But people were complaining. They're like, oh, where do they get to have a special desk? Yeah. Mm. kind of curious as well like what like why because yeah. nobody knew who this, who this person was coming was yeah so there was rumblings um but also everybody i think we everybody wanted to yeah yeah a desk that stands yeah yeah well, obviously nobody else was getting one but you know ultimately this person started they're lovely you got to know them and you understood that they had a serious accident and uh, yeah many years ago and had back problems so they had to stand up a lot um, and this is why, and that's great example of accommodating someone with a disability, basically. Um, but how people how it was received was what happened was they ended up putting not everybody got a stand up desk, but they would put a couple on each floor so that you could move to a stand up desk mm. and work, and that became more because obviously people must have said something. Well, it would be really nice because if someone would be sitting at your desk yeah. eight hours or whatever. So that 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 was the only time I've seen anything similar in this scenario. Mm. But if it says and the person hears it or knows heard heard about somebody people saying this about them, mm. then that would imagine how that would make them feel. I know it'd be terrible. Mm. And I'm sure it's not the first time somebody's complained around them. So yeah, probably not the first time somebody's complained that. Something's been, I mean, that, that that's what equality means to me. It means making the environment, um, making everybody's environment uh, in a way that they can thrive. Mm. Because when everybody's thriving, everybody's thriving. Yeah. Yeah? Mm. Um, and that's what it means to me. So it doesn't mean everybody gets treated the same, which to me is a bit of a misconception. Yeah. To me, it means everybody's given the opportunity to thrive and be the best versions of themselves and contribute and feel valued and have meaningful work. So absolutely, I don't really see how you have a problem with that. But anyway, this is what it's saying. It matters because employees with disabilities hear this comment. They may feel as though they aren't valued, don't belong. And it affects more people than you realise. And I said 4.4 million Australians have a visible and invisible disability. Mm. A lot. What is that? It's like nearly 20%, isn't it? Of the population. 
Are you really asking me to do math? Yeah, it's about it's about 20% of the population. So that's like one in five. Yeah. yeah. But then I imagine some of them might be not of working age. But anyway, mm. one in five Australians, visible and visible disability. And it has a big impact. Employees with disabilities are often less happy at work than their colleagues. Mm. And that gap goes away when workplaces are accommodating and inclusive. It's just something to think about, right? Absolutely. That was all. Do you have anybody with um, disabilities, visible and invisible, in your workplace? Mm, no, I don't believe so. Not in no. our um, We have a few people um, with, as you said, like back injury and stuff who need to, say, for example, need a standing desk. Um, need to go for a walk every hour or that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, you do then. Yeah. Would that be considered a disability? I don't know. If it's permanent, it could be temporary, but, I mean, it might be permanent. I don't know. Mm, yeah. No. Well, it be interesting if there wasn't even the disability term. It's just diff differing abilities. Maybe that's what disabilities means. Yeah. Differing abilities. Yeah. As opposed to disabled, which sounds more harsh. Mm. It's just that everybody has differing abilities. So we provide an environment yeah. to allow them to thrive, right? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And we gain a lot as well, like with everything. If you have diversity, you make your environment better. In general. All right. Better wrap it up. I love talking to you. That was very funny. <laughs> I liked I liked your response. <laughs> Probably not the positive, yes, response we want, but anyway, whatever. Well, yes, we're just being real, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, lovely. Happy hump day, everyone. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have as much fun with us today as we did. If what you heard resonated with you, don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. Give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email us stories or questions at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya! <laughs>